As with uh, most entertainers uh, in the 60s, the road seems to be, you know, the, the thing you either look forward to or put up with. What is the case with the Everly Brothers? You've been all over the world, I imagine. I've, well, I've been reading. You, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you look forward to it, and sometimes, like you say, you put up with it. But all in all, I think it's uh, probably, we, I didn't get to go to college, and I wish I had of, of course, but I think that the traveling and education that I've received on the road is some equivalent. I, don't, I won't get a Bachelor of Arts, but... <laughs> Isn't it pretty hard, though, Don and Phil, when you uh, wake up one morning and you, you say, where am I? I mean, you must do this because... Well, I say that at home, so it's not... <laughs> you have bad mornings, but... No, beside that, I mean, you get into a town and people say, the first thing, a guy will greet you at the plane or wherever and say... Uh, uh, you know, what do you think of our town? And you're seeing it, you know, from the airport, which is 60 miles out. And you, how can you become involved as well? I mean, how do you answer questions like this? Well, you're just polite or what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when, you, uh, when you're in town one day, it is difficult. But, uh, like, we're going to be in Vancouver, I think, a total of 10 days. And uh, you do get to know the town. And about the fifth day, you get to know where you're day. at, you know. So you just get settled and you have to pack up and leave. I went down to Hudson Bay yesterday. Yeah. Looked around. Looked around. Yeah. Bought some stuff. <laughs> Oh, well. Price of Love was a song I was going to talk about because, in my opinion, that is the new uh, sound of the Everly Brothers, and the sound has changed because, Don, you mentioned the first day you got in, you're driving in in your car, and you heard me play Hey, Doll, Baby. <laughs> hey, Doll, Baby. Remember that? <laughs> yes, we I cringed. Did. We no, cringed. No, but why? Would you explain this to the people well, listening to You know, that was off the first <laughs> album, and that, that, cut in the, that particular cut in the album was uh, not meant to really be... It stinks, is what he's stinks, trying to say. first of all. <laughs> But it wasn't really meant to be in the album. And uh, it was sort of like a, a preliminary sketch of what we were going to put in the album. Not that the rest of the stuff was all that great, really, as far as... Oh, I uh, should we tell them was on that album? That there, was was a... some, there were some good things in it, but uh, Hey Doll Baby, I think, was the worst. <laughs> and I played it. <laughs> and you played it. Well, that's why I say that The Price of Love is the new sound of the Everly Brothers. And, and, and it sounds that way to me. Technically, I can't explain it, but maybe you can. What is the difference between the Everly Brothers... Uh, the late 50s compared to the Everly Brothers' mid-60s. I think song is, is one of the reasons. Yeah, well, songs have uh, matured. Songwriting has matured in the business considerably in the beginning. It's not... I'm not going about white book shoes and things, you know. And now it's a little bit more earthy, or not earthy, but more uh, intellectual, you know. And <laughs> not that... Uh, Matter of fact, you're right, because it gets, it gets a little awkward when you play something like... Uh, what was a song Julius LaRosa had, some kind of shoes and everything, and it makes you sound like, gee, did they really wear that, you know, or did we really wear that, you know? Yeah, just kind of about thing. your red vest or something. Yeah, you know, you know and the sparkly shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Open to the navel, you know, so you should catch pneumonia. Also, also, yeah, one button roll suits, remember those? Oh, right. Yeah, there was never a song about those. I don't yeah. remember those. You guys it's kind of hard to find the rhyming <laughs> yeah. couplet for that. Anyway, The Price of Love was, uh, from my information and following uh, the trade papers, uh, number one in England for about five or six weeks, uh, weeks which is a great credit to you, and, and, and yet it still didn't get out of the bottom half of the top 100 in the country, in uh, North America. At that time, I think it was about a year ago, wasn't it, or mm -hmm. a year and a half no, ago? Just, yeah. And uh, at that time, uh, English just dominated, dominated the American charts and Canadian charts, I believe. And uh, wherever, and we noticed that because uh, Price of Love was number one in a lot of European countries. Right. Where, the English hadn't uh, the foothold that they had here in the States. You mean it's, they were losing it over there? I, I guess, but maybe either that or they were just playing more diversified uh, material. But here in the States for a while, it was almost impossible. You could say this record was made in England, man, and they put it on. Right. I notice uh, that's, that's very true even today, like the Dave Clark Five who have 
big hits in North America still do not have hits in England. I know, that's, you know. that's so funny. You go over there and them. it's sort of surprising to see the English chart is compared. Yeah, mostly so American. The same thing so. is with uh, Herman, Herman's Hermans, except he has one now that's that's making it over there. Milkman or something. Yeah, but it's, which is, he's been at a slow period over there, which is surprising too. I think really though that uh, the pendulum has swung back to the American artists, people like yourselves, people like Paul Revere and the Raiders, and even Sonny and Cher, and right down the, the line, there's a new, out of the, I think the English, if you really want to get down to it, what they did more than anything, besides the sensational act of the Beatles and their songs and material, I think what they really did was put a little jab in the arm of, uh, of pop music all over all over the did. world, because it was quiet and It was so dull. quiet, it was very dull and quiet, like, uh, I believe that, and it needed uh, something, and I think the... What the English injected into uh, pop music is has done it a lot of good, and it's given it a lot of acceptance. That's one of the main things that happened. Uh, in our time, it was that uh, the adult, I think you, you were, right. frowned on it. They said, you know, you steal hubcaps in your spare time, <laughs> you know, because and you say... And most did. You know, <laughs> there were some of you that did, but uh, not the majority, you know. Uh, there were a lot of them that uh, were clean-cut people, and, uh, and he's, but yet... Uh, on television shows and things, you would get this constant uh, harassment because your hair was too long, and it wasn't as long as now. We, you know, you can wear it uh, almost to your shoulder. Nobody says anything. <laughs> Prince but, Valiant is coming, yeah. folks. <laughs> but uh, now, when the English did it, they, uh, the Americans' view of English was always the sedate, sophisticated person. Anyway, and when they saw rock and roll coming out of England, they. Um, uh, I think accepted it a lot more. I think it's a, there was the lull there when I when I call it the, the, the little tiny voices that were coming out. And I don't mean to in any way imply that, uh, you know, the singers at that time were bad or anything, but there seemed to be a lot of ballads, people like Bobby Vinton and little Johnny Crawford, who is not so little anymore. And, uh, and all of these tiny voices were appealing to maybe 12 and 13 year olds. And yet there was that undercurrent saying, uh, give me an up-tempo song, give me that beat again. I want to dance. I don't want to sit and uh, cry, you know. This yeah. was uh, I think there was an absurgence of uh, belief that uh, a theoretical good music was coming back, you know, although the term is... It was all saying big bands were coming back. Yeah, and big bands. Everybody was hoping, you know, at, uh, in, a, uh, in some higher echelons of the industry, you know, <laughs> that they're still determined. Uh, one of the things that uh, Don and I have always said over the nine, ten years that... They told uh, us it was going to die every year. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, man, what are you going to do next year, and, uh, Sis? It's going to be all over. Yeah. <laughs> Save your money, you're going yeah, to travel. That's one of the But I've always uh, wanted that uh, when the time comes and, and no one rides a crest forever, nobody rides a high wave, you, um, you, can, you can only sell so many records at, at a peak, uh, and then uh, it tapers off and re-rises, you know, it's like anything, like a tide. But uh, I always hoped that I wouldn't be one of those people that say, oh, I hope that the rock and roller comes back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say one thing, uh, Phil, that... Uh, Obviously, it isn't going to die. It's always going to be around in some style. It's part of our folklore, if you wish, now. And, and yes. the big thing, I think, and this is a credit to the country artists and the country institution, which it is, and that is that everything else may come and go, but country goes on forever. And I think that the mm -hmm. fact that there's so much of it in contemporary music that it's the lasting power that's made it stay for 10 years. I, I, I agree with that completely. 